Hey guys, and welcome to the Life Oasis podcast. My name is Chaim Golazer, grief recovery specialist located in Brooklyn, New York. My name is Mati Khain, life coach located in Brooklyn, New York. Welcome to today's episode. Our guest today is, or my guest today is, Zalmi Roxon, a mentor of mine, someone I look up to, someone that has been with me through my absolute worst and really, really taught me on what it means to view my emotions in a healthy way. So Zalmi, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. It's, uh, I'm honored and uh, we'll find out what, what we have in store because I have no idea right now. So I guess we'll just start off. Tell us just a little bit about yourself, how you got into what you do and what you do. Wow, that's a good question. What do I do and how I get into it? Basically had no idea what I wanted to do. I, as a kid, I actually wanted to be a professional baseball player and uh, an actor. I still play baseball and I pretty much act However, I guess, but made some videos on YouTube. But everything that I've been going through, for some reason, I always had this little thing in my head telling me that whatever you're going through now, like you got to master it and ace it because you'll be able to use it one day to help others. Didn't really know what that meant, but it was just always in my head. So any situation I would actually go through, I'd be like, okay, like, you know, we're going to do this. I actually um, connected a lot with the idea of like reincarnation in Gilgulam. Interestingly enough, growing up, it wasn't really spoken about it was kind of like okay that's just weird like why are you we don't you know we don't focus on that stuff just do what you have to do but for me it was always like look if i'm going through something there's a reason like i came back here and obviously i have to deal with it like there's no way i'm coming back to do this again so if i'm dealing with it now i'm going to ace it like you know and i'll get the experience and i'll be able to use it later for whatever it is so that kind of kept me going through a lot of the experiences that i had different challenges and tragedies and always had that outlook you know how do i you know ace this how do i build this and work with it and make it a part of me and then see how I could help later on with it, with the experience. So for those of you who don't know, I actually know Zalmi because he's my cousin, but I only became close to Zalmi when I was in Jets. I don't really know how to explain your job in Jets. I think that's where everything gets really weird. Your job was, do you want to explain it so I could explain the next part? I mean, yeah. I mean, in other words, you could say I was the coffee guy, but basically I, with like the permission of the school, I built my own job basically working one-on-one with guys just talking to them kind of build my unique approach of how I you know got to talk with guys and just give them a chance to express themselves even for just to talk random just get get them a space give them an outlet safe space and where we could discuss anything and if it was religion if it was uh, personal family things if it was just about themselves in a place where they didn't feel judged and also be able to empower them and I have no idea, honestly, how that allowed, you know, how that came to be and how the school gave me that space, but they did. And uh, it's interesting because you mentioned before this thing that you do that I started to do when I was working with youth. I don't know if you want me to share that story or come back to what you mentioned just before. So I remember one time, like I was working with guys, I got married, I, I, I was a shliach in the school and then I got married. I ended up coming back to the school to work there. I don't know what I was really supposed to do, but the person I was supposed to work with wasn't there anymore. And, you know, he went somewhere else. So I, I didn't have any job. And I told him I'm not a teacher. I'm not a mashkiach. I just, but I talked to people. That's what I've done in my whole life. You know, we'll get rid of that mindset. It was like, how do I help? So I just basically made up this job where I just, you know, in the beginning was pretty rough, you know, cause like, like who are you, like, why should I talk to you? I didn't have any training or anything, but I just, whatever. I just did it and go with guys and talk. And one time, a boy came up to me. He's like, I heard I could talk to you. So I said, okay, sure, I guess let's talk. And then he started pouring out his heart and he was saying how he was bullied and he was crying. And he's like, just literally like, like 
just giving everything he has inside and I'm sitting there and I don't know what to do. I'm not trained for any of this stuff. And I didn't ask him for the, like I did, I'm just sitting there and this guy's pouring out his heart and I see he's like waiting for me to like respond to him, like tell him something and I have no clue. So I, I said, you know what? I said, God, I didn't ask and I didn't say I could help him. He's here. So obviously there's a shkacha practice, you know, factor that this is supposed to be. So I said, I want to do one or two things, God, either I'm going to open my mouth and you're going to give something amazing and helpful to help this kid, or you could make me sound ridiculous. I said, it's your choice, but I'm doing it in your name. Either one, your choice. So I don't know what to say, but I'm just going to start talking and I hope you give me what to say. I don't know what I said, but we're still good friends. So I think it was, it was all right. But I learned from there. We're all so unique. We're all so different. We all have so much going on that even though we relate to, but it's never the same always. And just because I did a training or I, I did that, or I had an experience like that, doesn't mean that, you know, I have what to tell you or it relates to you. But I learned, I just ask Hashem, I say, please, you know, I'm doing my part. I'm doing as much as I can. I want to be here, be that vessel to help this person. So give me the insight, give me the heart, give me the patience, whatever this person needs, give me the ability to give that to them if I'm that person. And then I would just go and I would say things. And sometimes people would be like, wow, I never heard that before. And I'd be like, me too. You know, I, I never heard that either, but it sounds good to me. I'll, I'll use it again. So I guess, I don't know if I answered your question, if that's what I did in Jets. So I guess back to my story, <laughs> um, you texted me one day, you said, hey, let's go out. We went out, I actually spoke openly and you helped me through everything. You never judged me for the way I did certain things. You were very welcoming. You just helped me. And then a year later, I went back to Jets and I was going through a really, really rough time. I was going through the loss of my niece and you helped me out through that. And you actually are the reason I became a grief recovery specialist because I saw the, the truthness to what you were saying and then the effect that you wanted to gain from it, that you were just giving it over to people. You were helping people. You just said the right words at the right time to me. And I mean, you said, you literally told me every time you're like, I really don't know why I said what I said, but I said it and I guess it helped. And even till today, I sit with clients and I'm just like, I have no idea what I'm going to say. And then I just pull that move and they're like, whoa, I don't know where I got that from. Yeah. I mean, when you say it like that, it sounds, it sounds a little, little funny, but I, I'll just, I'll add some background to that. Besides for that story that I shared before, where I got that idea, I just, you know, God, you say it, I'm just going to do my part. But I believe you don't tell people what to do. You, you can influence them based on how you do things. And then they get inspired by that. And they say, I want to live also like that to be the best I can be, whatever that is. So when we're talking about, you know, saying things, I also know that at the end of the day, it, it depends on me, how refined I am, how much work I put into it, how much I study. That's what I'm able to give. The greatest investment you can make in life is within yourself because you give what you live. So I believe like that's how we become more effective. It's not me telling you more. It's me doing more. And you, besides for hearing what I'm saying, but you feel it, you can feel the sincerity from people. You feel that energy and then therefore you're more open. You know, there's, there's so much more to talk about this idea about the body and uh, how it reacts and deals with things and what we can do to help, to be able to, you know, get through to each other, connect with each other. Like all, all these ideas are stuff that I've heard and you learn this different concepts and, and through my different training, you know, the grief recovery, which, you know, I'll, what do you call it? A shout out, a plug uh, to Miravade Albuquerque, who just one day told me, he said he did it and I should do it. He thinks it'd be good for me. And 
I said, okay. And I did it and it was, uh, it was amazing, you know, and then different, you know, for life coaching and for mind map therapy training and all these things, what I started to realize was there, I learned this already. This was Siddhis. This is what Tara was teaching, but they gave me the English words to be able to express and communicate it to others now. And what I learned is that my body, right? Like it's, it's basically an, an animal. We're another kind of animal, you know, Hashem created the body. Then you put the soul into the body, right? Now we have a divine consciousness. So when I'm talking to you, right, but you have your body, your body's unbelievably brilliant. So amazing. And it can sense things. And that's what we call these triggers and stuff. It remembers so much of situations where I've been there before. I've heard that before, that tone, I feel that. So we don't always know what's going on, but the body does. And when I'm able to appease the body, the, the animal, if I'm able to approach it in a way where it doesn't feel threatened, I think they, the way you approach a dog, they put their hand out backwards, showing that you're not a threat till they feel calm and they, you know, sniff around till they feel okay. Similar like that. So before I tell anybody anything, like it's just, I'm safe. I have no agenda. I'm not trying to sell you anything. I just want to be here. And if you want to utilize that opportunity and you have what to share and you want to share, I'm here. And I feel like the bodies are able to pick that up. And then eventually the conversation and the things that you're sharing, they're able to start to hear it and feel it. And ultimately, I believe this is where the success will come in. Yeah. So I actually remember, I mean, before I ever learned with you, I always thought that tarot was such a extract thing. It was something that I didn't relate to because if one cow starts goring another cow, what, what does that do with me? And I remember you sat me down, we pulled out the memory by Yishach Yeshua and you're just like, read it. And I started reading and you're like, does this not relate to you? And I'm like, oh my God, this relates to me. And I believe right now I'm holding the 36th time of learning that mimer because it was just so amazing. You're, you literally told me once you're done, you're like, just continue learning it. If you, but this is the only mimer you're going to learn, good. As, just as long as you could utilize it into your life. And I did, I started utilizing it into my life and it changed my life. And it's just incredible. The best thing to do would be check it out for yourself. But I guess it's about leadership, about finding yourself and about being yourself. And that's something I never really saw in a mimer, something I saw in maybe therapy in a, in a very wise person I would trust, but never in Tara, when I didn't realize that Tara was the wisest person I could trust. Yeah. You know, cause you mentioned the mimer, I did not learn it 36 times. I don't know if I finished it once. Maybe I did. I'll give myself some credit, maybe. But it also spoke about the idea about thought, speech, and action and like learning that. So, I mean. Growing up in school, I don't know what happened necessarily, but like, I just, I didn't get it. And I guess it's just like, I tuned out from then on in that sense. Uh, but when I revisited everything for myself, when I decided, you know, I gotta, gotta make a decision in my life. Like, where am I going? I gotta pick something and start to head there. I could always change my mind. That's fine. But if I'm going, I'm going all the way until I decide something else. And I started to learn it and it was just, it was amazing. There's thought, there's speech, there's action. Ultimately your thought and your speech lead to your action. And I was like, wow, so first I need to stop doing certain things. Then I could also take the step now, stop talking about it. And then ultimately start putting better stuff into my brain. So my thoughts would be different. You know, even though we cannot control necessarily what we're always thinking, like the thoughts that come up, which is a whole nother thing of Tanya of how, like what's going on in the Itahar and how he uses that and basically throwing stuff at our brain all the time. But it's, it's like, okay, so, I can actually use these ideas to better myself and empower myself, you know, and I know it's making it 
simplified right now. We're just saying it easier said than done. Well, I'm glad we did the easy part. Now let's get it done. But I was able to start to take a lot of what I was learning and realizing, you know, we say Torah, Lush and it's lessons. And when I started to see it like that, and actually I, one, one person in particular, one teacher who really gave me this ability is actually I listened to Rabbi uh, Y.Y. Jacobson classes when he started the Shiva.net and he would just explain a lot of things in a very, you know, first it would be from Torah, then it'd be, you know, psychological. And then like, it was just like, it was amazing how like, wow, these things started to make sense to me. So I started to look at things like that. And then it was just amazing how everything became so relevant and so applicable. And that's where I started to really, you know, find more purpose, depth, and actually seeing the difference of who I am and how I do things to taking what I've been believing, you know, as like, there's a God and there's a higher purpose and there's a Torah and it was, wasn't any more up in the clouds, like this fluffy stuff. It was real. And then it led me to situations where it's like, okay, well, this is what Torah teaches. This is what your brain is saying and they're conflicting. And it's like, well, who are you going to go with? So I would say, you know what? I believe this stuff. I believe God. I believe that. So I'm going with that. Even though my body is telling me, no, it doesn't make any sense. Everyone around me is saying it's just doesn't make any sense. You know, for example, like doesn't make any sense to just pick up and move from where you've been living and what you've been doing and go uh, do something else bigger without anything set up, no safety nets, but it's like, but I believe that's what I'm supposed to do. So I'm going to go. And then just life became, every moment became meaningful, powerful with purpose. So then when you meet somebody, even a kid who was 16, like when he's sharing stuff with you, you know, that's it. That's the whole world is created for this moment right here, right now. There's nothing else happening besides for what's happening now. So it gave me the ability to tell myself, okay, like we're present, we're here, let's go. Like, let's, let's tune in and let's just give him whatever we are. Chaim, I'm all yours. Let's go. Let's, what do you want to talk about? Whatever you want. You want to just sit here and look at the sky? No problem. Like, that's what we're doing. If that's what you need right now, that's what we're going to do. I'm going to get a little vulnerable right here, which is, I mean, something really meaningful to me. We one time went on a car ride and we were just talking about a bunch of issues I was going through. I was overwhelmed with a lot and I, I just didn't know what to do with myself. And I remember I just looked at you and said, Sami, I'm done trying. I'm, I'm done putting myself out there where I get to fail again. I'm done failing. I'm done trying. I'm done everything. I, I, I don't see a, a need to wake up in, tomorrow and have to continue trying for fighting for my mental health, fighting for my happiness, fighting for everything. It's just tiring. I want to want to be done with it. And I'll never forget this. You looked me straight in the eye and you said, who's Neshama do you have? I said, my own. I said, do you mind giving it to me for a little bit? I remember like, what the heck? Okay, like, sure, take my Neshama. Take whatever you want. Just go, take it. And uh, I don't know what happened, but like for that whole week, I couldn't be unhappy. I, I couldn't. And I don't, I don't know what it was. I don't know what part of me was like, be happy or what part of me was like, don't be depressed, get out of bed, do something. But I think it was like a few months later, I sent you a letter. I'm like, I want it back now. I need my neshama back. But like just that little story, you, I don't think that was like, I wouldn't recommend saying that to someone who is going through something like that, but it helped me. It's like you knew exactly what I needed to hear and when I needed to hear it. Wow. Hearing that story again, it's yeah. I definitely don't recommend just saying that, but honestly, it's crazy the fact that you said, yeah, actually, 
you know, because like, okay, like I, I could say crazy stuff, but like, okay, like you went with it and then you say it helped you. Like, that's crazy. That's crazy. But yeah, I, I actually, I remember when I was saying it. So like, I had like moments where like, like this is the focus. And at that moment it was trust myself, trust yourself. If, if I'm feeling something and I'm wanting to do good and I'm working on myself and connecting myself and exercising myself, you know, in all aspects, physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, so that if my body's telling me something or my brain is saying, say this, so I, I was trusting myself, even though it was going against everything that my logic and rationale was saying, like, don't say this, that's crazy. Like, God forbid, what's if something, and it was just like, I'm here for the kid. I'm trusting, like I've been doing, I'm going to share, this is what I feel like I should tell him. So I'm going to tell it to him. And I don't think necessarily it's what was said. Maybe it could have been just like the sincerity. I, I don't know what it was, because it obviously doesn't make any sense. But as part of this whole idea of when we do our best to become genuine, then things come out genuinely. Is that a word? Is that a word? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And like, I think that's, that's kind of like what it, what it does. And then, yeah, like in the mind, we have limbs and garment, how we express ourselves. So we use our words or we use our physical touch or, you know, whatever that is. But I remember that. And I remember when you sent that letter back, it was, uh, for me, it was a confirmation that, yeah, yeah, definitely, you know, continue, continue just what you're doing because, well, you know, it's working in a sense to save a life, you save a world. And, you know, I'm sure there's so many other factors along the way and other people that you came across that was part of your journey, but for it to come back, a feedback to be like, for me on my part, like, Hey, continue your part of your journey is really important. I feel because who knows, like I always say to God, I say, God, if I'm doing something wrong, if I'm doing it incorrect, please tell me, like, let me know. I don't want to be doing stuff that are, you want to say out of the box or different or expanding my trust and bringing in, you know, godliness into a whole other level. If it's incorrect, let me know. Like, don't, don't let me do anything to hurt anybody. And at the same time, it's like, okay, but I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep doing my thing, which is interesting because when I started to learn and see all these things in a whole different way of like how real it is, it confused me because I was like, but this is what people were teaching me before. So what's different? And for me, I felt what was different was that people were scared to believe how real it was. So therefore they were hesitant to say things in a very direct and like, yeah, that, or give me that, or give me your neshama or do this. Cause it's scary. Cause it's, it's, it's not normal. Necessarily. It's not logical or rational, you know, but throughout all our history, we see a lot of things that were not logical and rational, but people believed and trusted and they did it. And I realized maybe I need to be that person who brings out a deeper and the next level of belief and stretching it now to like, yeah, like. That is also something that we do. That is something, you know, you don't have to be concerned. Cause I didn't see the people that I was being taught by living that. So I thought maybe I'm doing it wrong. That I said, maybe it's, maybe we're the ones that are now the next generation that are going to push it to the next level. So much coming back to me right now. Well, I guess they like to keep the train on from like all these stories that happened between us. You once told me, I'll never forget this. You said, do you like reading? I remember the conversation, what was going on before, but you looked at me in the middle of the conversation. You're like, Chaim, do you like reading? I was like, yeah, I guess. You're like, did you ever like read a chapter over and over? And I'm like, no, that sounds boring. And you're like, you ever see that like with your life that you're reading the same chapter over and over? And I was like, I guess like I, I'm repetitive with some mistakes I make or something like that. And you're like, why don't you just end the chapter? Stop rewriting it. Just end it. 
move on to the next. And then one day, I'll never forget this. You said one day you'll be sharing your story and you'll be looking back at this moment and saying, that's when I realized. And I honestly, like every single time where I'm getting so caught up in my day-to-day life and there's so much anxiety and I'm just feeling overwhelmed. I don't know what to do. I just stop. I'm like, okay, this is a chapter. I'm going to finish it. I'm going to move on with it. And I'm going to start the next one. And in a few years from now, I'm going to tell people, I struggled right over here in this room recording this episode. I, I had doubts. I had anxiety and I did it. Wow. I'm glad you never forget because you're reminding me of things that like there's like, in, I guess somewhere in the storage of my brain. I remember that <clears throat> that was also a phase where like, that was just a thing that I would share. I, you know, I was talking to myself. It came out from somebody. It could have been the first one I was talking with you, but it was like, you know, you're going to get up, you're giving the keynote speech, right? So what, you were 16 then? And then you're saying, you know, you say the story up to where you got to, and you're getting, you're talking to thousands of people and you're sharing how you got to success and you're at 16 and this happened and that happened. And then you felt like giving up and then, well, whatever you do next is how the story goes. You get to write the rest of it. And I feel like that is what Hashem is giving. That's what's heard. Like that, it's so, it's all there. It's, we get, I think, so stuck. Like we're talking about the repetitiveness and we get so stuck in our little, little eye, the little, like I'm a nothing or all my negatives. We get so caught up because unfortunately, maybe that's what's brought up a lot, but that's just easier to see because we're not in, in the healthiest of places. But when we're able to refocus on the truths of who we are, what we have, the idea of, uh, it says, the Rebbe says in Asicha that the Rebbeim are Shluchim of Hashem and the four Shluchim of the Rebbe. And there's a concept called Shleach Sha'adam Kamaisei, Mamish, literally, you are like the person. So, I mean, just, you literally, God, you're literally partners. You're actually doing stuff. You make a huge difference. Everything that we do, if we would actually somewhat believe that and, you know, not just believe, just reminded me of the whole believing and uh, trusting in God. You know, it says, believers, sons of believers, we are all believing in God, right? We all believe in God. There's something bigger, greater, whatever, to what extent is varies from everybody. Some people believe a little bit that, yeah, whatever, but who cares? And some people believe a lot, but at the end of the day, Believing is it's fluffy. It's in the clouds. doesn't require any action to believe. And what does require action is when you trust. So what happens is sometimes is we're all believers, believing in God. And when push comes to shove and things don't make sense anymore, according to nature, we will be leaving God and doing something else that makes sense. That was a wordplay, believing. As opposed to believing God, which means trusting him, following what Tara says, even if it doesn't make any sense to us. And I feel like it's like, it's these ideas, like that's why we learn every day. And there's so many customs we have to stay grounded and connected and, and plugged into truth and to be plugged into healthy, healthiness. And that I, I feel like if we focus there and we put our energies there, that's how we will live our life. And when we let go and we don't connect, so then yeah, there's so much going on. The world can be the most scariest place out there. I wouldn't recommend to turn on the news or, or check the social media, but it's, it could be craziness, but when you're plugged in, so then you see things differently. It's not about being naive. It's about your perspective, ultimately your perception and what you feel and what you're going to do about it. Wow. So quick question. If there was a teacher or parent who had a child who was going through a lot, what would be the first step into helping that child? Wow. It's a. It's a good question. Fair question. Straight off the bat, I have no answer, but I'm, I'm going to just be speaking. The first thing 
I would do is first I'll just check myself first, just like make sure, even though I know it sounds far-fetched, like what's, what's the connection to me and my kid doing stuff that like, what, what's the relate? what's the connection? But I think ultimately it's just take a quick step, step back. Where am I holding? What am I doing? Am I in a healthy place? Am I seeing this of the healthiest place? Am I seeing that the correct way? Something I noticed that when I'm not in a good mood, everything sucks. And no matter where I turn, everybody sucks and everything they're doing is annoying. And, but I realized like, if I'd be in a good mood, like I laughed all the time with that guy, when he says that, and like, when he does that, it's so funny. It's so cute. You know, just check myself first, make sure that I'm in a good place, make sure that it's genuine. Like, okay, so I sincerely want to help this person, this kid. So what do I do? And if I don't have the solution, who is the mentor? Who's a professional? Who's someone that I respect that I can ask? I think that would be the, the first thing before I go any further. And now going a little further. Well, I mean, each person is so unique and different. It's like, I could give you, you know, what to say that to love them, to care for them. Ultimately, if you are making sure you are in the healthiest of places, you'll be able to give what that kid or that person is going to need. I don't know what it looks like, but I definitely know that if you're in a healthy place, they will be able to get healthy nutrients and affection and what they need from you. And I'm sure you'll be able to figure it out together. And I'd say, ask God, ask Hashem to help you out and figure it out. And I'm sure you'll have the pieces and the inside around you, but make sure that you are doing what you need to do. That, that's what I could say if I'm gonna generalize anything. I would say that. Awesome. Let's just backtrack just a little bit more because we got into how you got into the grief world, you got into how you're coaching, your thing, what you did in Jets, stuff like that. For those of you who don't know Zalmi, I'm sitting right now across from him. Zalmi has the brightest red glasses. And he's worn them forever. It's his personality. It's something just about him. Like if you know Zalmi, it's Zalmi in red glasses. You started out as a night activity director in a camp. And that somehow led to where you are now. Do you want to just go in on that a little bit? Sure. We can do that. I'm assuming it's about the red glasses. So, so I'm honestly growing up, I wasn't the uh, outspoken. I wasn't out there. I was actually more shy. And I didn't like that idea. I liked, I wanted to be able to speak and express myself. I think I mentioned I wanted to be an actor. So like I wanted to be on stage. I wanted to act. Um, I'd push myself, push myself. And one year I actually went to camp. I was a counselor, survival director. And then I was supposed to go somewhere else for the summer. That fell through last moment. And I said, you know what? I'm just going to push myself. My friend was looking for a non-activity director. I said, I'll do it. So I pushed myself, get on stage. And one of the things I wanted to do was, I know, was get costumes, funny clothing. Just So I ordered red glasses. As one of them, I also have green glasses. So I had the red glasses as a joke, fun. I got the prescription and that was that. Camp went on, everything was good. I put them away actually. A few years later, we we're doing another camp called uh, VIP Bahram. And I'm like, you know what? My red glasses would be such a good idea to wear them through the summer. Just it's more relaxed. It's, you know, it's not as serious. So I put them on, but I really liked the shape of the glasses. These ones are actually a different shape. I like the shape of the glasses. And personally, I don't see the red. I look through the lenses, right? So I forget that. And I'm like, you know, I'm going to buy this in black. So I kept the glasses on and came back to LA. I remember I walked into Shiva Oral Khan on Friday night and I walk in and everyone's staring at me. So like, first thing you do is I check, make sure I'm wearing pants and okay, like everything's fine. Like, why are they staring at me? And I'm like, maybe they saw one of my videos I did. And maybe then I turned to get a sitter and I see my reflection in the bookshelf and I'm wearing my red glasses. And I was like, okay, like for a split second, I'm like, I should probably run out of here. But then I'm like, no, I'm here. I'm good. I walked in. They saw me. I like it. That's it. I'm fine. And 
So I kept the glasses and I kept on forgetting to buy black ones. And then one day my glasses broke and I had a different pair and everyone started to comment, where's your red glasses? What happened? And I'm like, okay, you know what? Like, I want to relax. Yeah, I'm going to have them. Don't worry. I'm just, uh, just trying something out. And I put my red glasses back on. Like, I'm done. I get more comments if I wear regular glasses than if I just, just be myself, just wear my red and that's it. I thought I outgrew them. I thought I'm like, just whatever. Their glasses. I like them. They're fine. People want to make it a thing that it's the guy with the red glasses. No problem. Easier. You want to know that I have a few cousins have the same name as me. So I'm the one with the red glasses. No problem. So that's kind of how it got to be. It was, you know, not a fashion statement. It was just, just, it was a joke. And now the joke's on me. Wow. I actually, I've heard most of that story. I don't think I've ever heard that in full. Wow. Now it makes sense. I'm going to get myself a pure red glasses when I get home. So all of this, everything that you've been doing, you were doing, you went from being a camp counselor to Yeshiva to whatever we're going to call this, taking out kids for coffee, the coffee men, to opening your own yeshiva with two amazing people. How did that all just, how did that just flow? Okay. So a little bit of a backtrack. So I was working in Chilov as the, I guess the coffee man, if we're going to keep it to that. Although I don't know, I'm not, not sure about that yet. But anyway, so at one point I was like, I don't know if, if I'm doing this, but I, I had a, a urge in a sense more for my life. I wanted more. I wanted to, to have more and to give more. And I was, wasn't sure if like, this is where I am. So I decided that, okay. Just like a doctor goes to school for 10 years and then graduates with a PhD and then they start over the high salary and they grow. So too, for me, I'm Rebbe told me, okay, so backtrack on the backtrack. Okay. Hang tight. I was, so I was in my second year Slichos and I was basically done with it. I was like, okay, this is not for me. Teenagers, emotions, intensity. I'm done. I said, Rebbe, thank you. I gave back. I did my time and now I'm going to business and make money. I give a lot of charity. Don't worry. I just want your blessing because I'm done with this. It's just too much. And I opened up a Igris, a letter of the rabbis. And I guess I, I don't know, like I always say like it was the mistake that I made. And the rabbi says in the letter, I see you've given Mr. Snevis for education. I want you to continue to give Mr. Snevis for education. Like the Friedrich rabbi and went on and that's where your blessings will come. And then I was stuck in between, okay, well, I don't like it here. I'm miserable. It's not for me. And what the rabbi said to stay and give your life for education. And I was like, okay. Am I going to really base my life decisions on a book that I open to randomly on a page that happens to fit, you know, or just be so-called uh, normal doing the finger thing, like, and just go and get a job and, and I had a big moment in my life. Do I believe all this stuff? Am I going to be leaving God or be living? And I said, you know, I, I believe this stuff. I believe it. it's true. Like I, there is, I gotta be a fool to think I'll be happier and successful somewhere else if I'm being told clearly to stay. So I stayed, but then, you know, funny enough, the next day I came back to the school and I was still pissed off and I'm like, okay, well, you can't stay pissed if you're, you know, you got to figure it out. So I started dealing with it. And then throughout the journey, I was saying that like, okay, like I feel like there was more, I need more. And I said, I want to do this life college, just like the doctor 10 years graduate. I want to be here in education in this place for 10 years. And then I'll graduate after 10 years. And so actually after 10 years, I officially graduated in my mind and that's how somehow miraculously I ended up working for a psychologist in her clinic, which is a whole nother thing, which is just how it happened. And then after that, I started to do my own coaching and, but all of these things, it just, it didn't feel like that's what like purpose was. There were pieces to the puzzle, 
but it wasn't there yet. I always kept on feeling it's more, it's bigger, it's bigger. Every time I got to another place, it's more. Not a sense of emptiness, but a sense of this is just not it yet. Like you're not done. We got to keep moving. We're, we're going global. Like we're really going to make a difference in the world and just got to keep moving. So, but I was doing my part. And then funny enough, I had a cousin call me and he's like, oh, I heard you're moving to Florida. Nothing, nothing of this actually came up yet about Florida. Nothing. It just randomly, it's like, I heard you're moving to Florida. Very nice. Welcome. I'm like, I'm not moving to Florida, but uh, maybe you're talking about my brother. He's moving from in Florida to another house, maybe, but not me, but thank you though. Appreciate it. That was that. And then later, I remember I mentioned to my wife, like my wife asked me, he's like, oh, what about us going to Florida? Like a few months later, I'm like, I haven't seen a sign yet that uh, Shem wants us to move to Florida, that our shluchas uh, has changed. But until then, uh, we're here. And then the next week I got a call from Rabbi Isaac Hanan, my partner in tag. And he said that there's this Rabbi Penny and Drusier, and they're in contact and about a school and I said, okay, let's, let's talk. And we started talking and we shared the very similar vision and I, okay, so I'm gonna get hooked on the details over here. So that Shabbos before, let's say this was a Monday, that Shabbos before I was laying down, I just on the couch was not feeling so, and I took a letter of the Rebbe, I opened it up and it started talking about a school. So I closed it. I'm like, nothing to do with me. I'll read it later. But the cool thing was it was on that exact date. It was Yudzai Shvat. So it was pretty cool. Like it was Yudzai Shvat that Chavez and it said Yudzai Shvat, but just not for me. Anyway, we started speaking about the school and I said, oh, we should probably write to the Rebbe, a bracha. And then I'm like, wait, I already wrote a letter, I remember. And it's something about a school before we even met. I'm like, okay, I want to read it. I open it up and the Rebbe basically saying how detail for detail about the school we want to open and how it's not just for Sheikhtim and people for smicha. Everybody needs to have this environment of, of, of yeshiva environment and going into the details and giving his bracha and how needed it is. And it was just like, okay, so we're in, that's it. We're done. And I remember my wife wrote into the rabbi and says, well, you know, we need money and stuff before we just pick up and bounce. And so the rabbi wrote in the, the letter, a mitzvah you do bezuzus. Fine. A few weeks later, she's like, I don't know, still we need to be, and so she wrote against the Rebbe and the Rebbe was like, she's like, it just doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense to just pick up, you know, we're just about starting our coaching practice and just like, just pick up and go. It's a whole family school. And the Rebbe wrote, Nasa Vanishma, action before theory. So my wife's like, okay, we're done. Let's go. Let's, let's do it. We'll just pick up and we're just moving. We didn't have a house, didn't have nowhere to rent yet. We just left everything in California and just gave everything away and closed up the apartment, the lease, and just shipped everything down. And we opened the school and I mean, we had literally had no idea like where anything's coming from. And I mean, it, it's unbelievable. The blessings that have just been pouring down on us continuously. And yeah, listen, I've never done this before. I've commented and said like, you know, if I would have thought it through, it might've been a little different, but thank God I didn't think it through. Because there's just so much, so many details. So it's, it's um, unbelievable. But ultimately it's like, yeah, that, that just, that's the next piece of the puzzle. Like, oh, this is it. Yeah. Open as well. Yeah. That's, that's, that's it. I feel like that's what we're supposed to do now. And that's the next piece. And now all the experiences that I got from life college is like perfect. Cause like, that's what we've been doing for the past decade, working with youth, personal level, understanding what's so important and what is missing. The connection as human beings, not getting stuck on just the academics, but making sure that they feel safe and they're cared for. And 
it's not me telling them, but it's me living that, that gives them the best chance at feeling it and then ultimately being able to do it themselves. Whoa. I love it. Um, just talking about like Rebbe stories, I just got a little throwback. When I was in Jets, I was 17. My second year in school, I was trying to become religious. And every time I, I finally like, I was keeping Shabbos for like a month finally, like I finally did a month full of Shabbos, I messed up. I couldn't do it after that. I was working so hard on myself. I just couldn't. At a certain point, I would crack. I would always hit like a wall and crash. And I'll never forget this. I was really, really just unhappy with myself one day. And this is like, I was working on my mental health. I kind of understood a little bit about my mental health. And I wanted to leave Jets. I wanted to leave school. Someone walked over to me and like, you look really sad. And I'm like, no, 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 I'm fine. I'm okay. I'm okay. Because that was my biggest thing. I'm like, I'm, I'm okay. You don't not have to worry about me. And he just basically subtly dropped an Icarus right next to me. I remember being so offended. I was like, what the hell? Who does that? Who just drops an Icarus? I was like, no, what's the worst thing that could happen? I'm going to open up. And actually, I found it. And I saved it because I didn't want to mention it. And I totally forgot. Now that I can mention it, so it's really cool. At the end of the letter, first of all, the Rebbe told me, basically, take everything slowly. Stop taking upon yourself too much because it needs to be built as a foundation. It has to be slowly built. You can't just build a house in a day. That house will totally fall down if you build it in a day. At the end of the letter, it said, needless to say, the idea of continuing at the yeshiva for some time is the right one. You have a family member in the yeshiva that might understand you. Please talk to him. I, I'll never forget this. I, I ran right to you and I showed you the letter and I'm like, Salmi, let's talk. And we sat down and I think that was the foundation of my mental health. Before, before we had that conversation, I don't think I actually knew what I wanted in life, knew where I was going in life. I was everywhere. I mean, you're in life, you're, you're given certain skills to help you in the future. But the skill that I wasn't given was my own happiness. And you sat there and you gave me the time of the day. You just heard me out sometimes. You, some, I remember one time you just let me like rant for a full on hour. I don't think I said anything good, but you just let me go. And I probably needed that. But you literally helped me build these walls. And I think the only reason they stuck is because it came from a place of caring, caringness, caringness a word? It is now. It came from a place of caringness and just pure love. And there was nothing else in that, but you cared for someone, you loved someone and you just wanted it. And I don't think I ever saw that. And even today, like when I'm sitting with clients or when I'm sitting in, a, in my own personal crap, I, I always look back onto our conversations and I, I always find this random piece of advice. And I've, I've voiced them to you randomly. I'll never forget this. Like I had an issue at a wedding when I was taking pictures and something you said helped me out. And it's just, you do these little things without even knowing the effect they could have on the future. And you literally said in the beginning, Sometimes you had absolutely no idea what to say. And I mean, look at me now, five years later, I want to say I'm still kicking. I want to say I'm doing really well. I don't know if that's egotistical or not. So I'm just going to leave it at that. So that, that good enough, that healthier place. I, I, I totally get the idea of the fine line of, of arrogance as opposed to a healthy self-esteem and communicating the truth, you know, that uh, you work hard and you see the results, Baruch Hashem, and it's encouraging for others they can feel the same for themselves. It's really amazing to like, for you, like to share again, like things that you've experienced because, you know, just for me, it's like, I'm on one side of, of the table and you're on the other. And it's just like, you know, what was going on, you know, all the details of it to have that, you know, work with you. And I think it's, it's amazing. Just, you know, pull this into your test kiss slave now and the Tanya, the ultra wrote the Tanya and like to be able to be affecting people. Hanukkah episode. A Hanukkah episode. Baba, 
but we're tapping into the energy of Tzkislev, which rolls right into Hanukkah. It's like a double wow. Tanyaka. Anyway, and just like to have that and still being effective and inspiring for others. And letters of the Rebbe that he wrote to people, but it's still applicable and it has an effect on others. Like, like when you're sharing, like, you know, whatever that we spoke about and we communicated that you were inspired by, was inspired by other things that I did, that I was inspired by Torah. And this, I think, is that idea of like, you know, the inspiration and we take from good and it just keeps on breeding, right? The fire, when you light another, you don't lose, you don't lose from your own flame. And I think this is a beautiful example of that where, you know, we can share something and then it just, it lights the guy's whole town on fire. Yeah, I, yeah, there's a, there's a lot, there's a lot, Baruch Hashem. It's, uh, it's really amazing, uh, really, to, because it's just, really, we're just sharing our stories, our our experiences. We're all made up of it. And why education is so important is because it's the foundations of what tools we're going to have to help in the future as we're growing and how we're going to place our experiences. Can we find our experiences and find the good and how it's going to help us? Or God forbid, we see the issues in it and therefore it's going to stop us. And then it's compound on that. And it's, it's really important. I think that's why the rubber is a lot about education, even to like how like kosher animals. And it wasn't to be so crazy over, I believe my, my understanding wasn't to be crazy over if it's a kosher animal or not, it was to teach you how serious and how much child is affected. Even the dolls they have will have an effect on them. For sure. The way we speak to them, the way we treat them, the way we deal with them has so much more of a huge impact, but it was important even to mention the doll. That's how careful and, and sincere we need to be when it comes to this. Wow. So we have a wind down thing, which we do in every episode. We end off with the same few questions now that we're coming to near an end. If you were interviewing yourself, what would you ask yourself and what would be the answer? If I was interviewing myself, what would I ask myself and what would be the answer? If I was interviewing myself, I'd probably ask myself to do some weird, like, I would interview myself like in a weird voice. Something like this. But what would I ask myself? I never asked myself a question. I had a lot of conversations with myself in my brain, but what would I ask myself? So if I had to ask myself a question, I would ask, what does your happiness mean to you? And my answer would very straight up be, it's my everything. It's my thought process when I start something new in life. Am I going to be happy? And I honestly find that to be the most important because I've been in places where I was unhappy. It's not fun. It really is not fun to be unhappy. And I guess just putting my happiness first in front of my life just kind of took most of the hit of everything that was going, all the hardships. Because I knew that I was going to, if I wanted to do something, I had to be happy. To so you went, so you triggered this. I actually asked myself a question. I think it was yesterday or two days ago. And I said, why do you do it? Why do you do what you do? Why are you involved in education or coaching or youth or like, for what? Why do you do it? If you want to be acting and you want to be this and that, like, so why do you do it? And the only thing that comes to me, it's, it's not like a logical or it's just healthy or not. I don't know where it stems from, but because this is what I'm, this is what I'm here to do. This is my existence. Of course, happiness needs to be a part of it for things to run smoothly and to be, keep going. But ultimately, this is why I exist, to do my part. What's my part? I don't know, but I learned to deal with whatever's in front of me. That's, that's the best I can do and not theorize of like, maybe down the road, I could just I'd do it and whatever I've been doing in front of me, cause that's what I could do. Cause that's, that's the now that's what's here has led me to here. So 
Why do I do it? Because this is my existence. This is what I'm here. This is what we're here for. I think, I believe, I feel. Any other word you want to put? And if you could recommend three books to our listeners, what would you recommend and why? So I'll tell you why I'd recommend these three books because it's probably the only three books I read. Oh man, I really, really don't read much. I started making the effort to like audibles, like listen to audios. I definitely would recommend the Grief Recovery Handbook. I think it's uh, tremendous. It's very helpful. I'm sure there are a lot of amazing books out there, but like I said, this is one of them I read. So I would say that. And like recommending like Tanya and things like that. Like, like, so. Yeah, one of our guests literally said this was his favorite book to read. Okay. So, wow. So Tanya, I know it gets a little up in the cloud sometimes. And, but I would say the first few Prakim, I, I, I don't know it. Like I just, like which ones are what, but like I'll say from the beginning for the first few Prakim until you get lost, I would say. But Tanya, for sure, unbelievable. And then the Rebbe Rashab, Kuntrasamayan, the first few by Marm of that, of like that, it's unbelievable what, what, what it teaches about the Itzahara and our bodies. And literally, like I, I go back to this, by the way, Tanya, just for those who may not want to read it or not, I'll just give you my personal summary in like a few words of what the Alter Rebbe is telling us and teaching us and Tanya, just again, my opinion, you are perfectly messed up that there's nothing wrong with you. That's how God made you and the craziness, right? There's a perfect human being. It says that the Yasha, we go straight, we be perfect. We do the right thing. And then we have Kutsuman, Rabbi Rashab explains the idea that we have spirit of folly that goes in, right? The Yitzhahar is the one who puts silly, crazy ideas into us. And therefore without that, we wouldn't make any of the mistakes. So the cuckoo crazy ideas that you have and the crazy wild temptations that you're having, it's not you. You are pure, you're good. But it means that this is part of the journey you have to deal with. That this is the area that obviously Sahara is fighting you because you need to deal with these areas, but define you. The biggest mistake I've learned for myself and I've seen from others is that we identify with our temptations. We identify that this is who I am because this is what I want. And Dr. Rebbe teaches us, no, like you don't, identify with it because it's not who you are. You're a mamish, but you got to deal with it because this is part of your journey. So that's why I would recommend these books because I believe they have so much value and basics that are so important. And I would just also recommend that if you've tried Tanya and it didn't speak to you, try finding another, I don't want to say another Tanya. What I would say is use Chaim Miller's practical Tanya. I did Tanya the first year on Chabad.org. I was kind of lost with most of the things. And the second I opened up the Practical Tanya by Chaim Miller, I was blown away. It is a phenomenal writing on the Tanya. So if I'm going to recommend, what I'd recommend is whatever has your interest. So then read it or listen to it. You know, I'm just saying what, what interests me, but really it's, it's like, if you have an excitement for it, so that's what you're going to be involved in. That's what's going to get you going and you're going to put yourself into it. If it's just a drag, maybe you're not there yet. Maybe, you know, if you read something else and got some more information, you might become, you know, able to appreciate the next thing. So just go for what you like. You like history, read history books, read stories of tzaddikim or the history of the Jewish people or whatever it is. Just start with what you like. That hopefully will keep you going and keep that fire burning to be able to tackle and digest many bigger and more books. If you had to give one advice to all the listeners to continue out throughout their day, throughout their life, one little piece of advice to get them through their day, what would it be? Man, you asked like the, 
How do you give one thing of advice, one word of advice? For me, I have my pillars, you know, my pillars of what I believe. And the number one thing is that everything, everything that happens in this world is from Hashem. No one and nothing can do anything different. I know sometimes that it doesn't look like that. And I know sometimes things don't play out according to our brain's understanding, which I have questions too, you know, but, but when I think that I remember that everything's from Hashem and I'm also going to throw in some sprinkles over here and that everything is for the best and that he gives me the ability to overcome every challenge that I have. Right. And he says, you do what's Hashem is simple from happily. That means I have the ability to do all that. So when I remember that, that everything is from Hashem, it gives me a sense of calmness and then I'm able to say, okay, so now what am I going to do about it? So the world's not coming to an end. And if it does, that's what God wants. Although that sounds a little extreme. But it, it puts me back in line. Okay, so if, if he's the one who made the world, he also gave me a blueprint, which is the Torah of how to go about it. Let me look into it. Let me follow the instructions. And I believe it'll get me to where I need to. So normally we end off the podcast with five rapid questions, but I didn't want to do that for this one. I kind of wanted to end off with a, like a, a proper thank you because you've been with me for such a long time. And even though after I left Jets, there wasn't like, it wasn't your job anymore. You still reached out, you still connected and you consistently make sure that I'm doing okay. And I always thought that like, oh, maybe it's because we're family, but you do that for so many other people. And we're all just so appreciative about it. Like when I spoke to someone about like that, I was interviewing you today, they were like, oh, please tell Zami. I said, regards, tell him I say, thank you. How is he doing in this? You had such a great impact on the Bahram and Jets and the boys in tag right now. And I feel like everyone that has met you has have, has a story or something to share about you and you're an incredible person. And honestly, I don't think I would be who I am without you. And I just wanted to end off this podcast, like this episode, because it's so special to me to be here with you just to say thank you for really everything, because I wouldn't be a grief recovery specialist if it wasn't for you. I don't think I would have this outlook on life if it wasn't for you. And you really set me up to be to be who I am. And you didn't tell me, you didn't dictate how I should do stuff. You told me and you helped me and you just bought some light. Remember, you always told me, sometimes all you need is just a tiny little bit of light. That's all it is. And I just, yeah, I just wanted to end off this episode with saying thank you. I really, really appreciate everything you've done for me. Well, I appreciate that. Put me back in my place with humility uh, to thank Hashem, to, to be like, you know, that he gives us the ability to be able to have impact on other people's lives and to be a part of their lives and to be accepted into their lives and to give us purpose and meaning. So I thank you for allowing me to be a part of your life and anyone else. And I'm thankful that Hashem pulled through, I guess, in those conversations and he gave us, you know, helpful things. And I, I appreciate it. I, I don't look at what I do as work. It's just living. This is life. You know, I don't work. Maybe I should get a job, but kidding, kidding. Thank you. Mm-hmm.